Thank you for joining me today for Genesis chapter 7. Yahweh said to Noah, Come with all of your household into the ship, for I have seen your righteousness before me in this generation. You shall take seven pairs of every clean animal with you, the male and his female. Of the animals that are not clean, take two, the male and his female. Also, of the birds of the sky, seven and seven, male and female, to keep seed alive on the surface of all the earth. In seven days, I will cause it to rain on the earth for 40 days and 40 nights. I will destroy every living thing that I have made from the surface of the ground. Noah did everything that Yahweh commanded him. Noah was 600 years old when the flood of waters came on the earth. Noah went into the ship with his sons, his wife, and his sons' wives because of the flood waters. Clean animals, unclean animals, birds, and everything that creeps on the ground went by pairs to Noah into the ship, male and female, as God commanded Noah. After the seven days, the flood waters came on the earth. In the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, on the 17th day of the month, on the same day, all the fountains of the great deep were burst open and the sky's windows were opened. It rained on the earth 40 days and 40 nights. In the same day, Noah and Shem, Ham and Japheth, the sons of Noah and Noah's wives and the three wives of his sons with them entered into the ship. They and every animal after its kind all the livestock after their kind, every creeping thing that creeps on the earth after its kind, and every bird after its kind, every bird of every sort. Pairs from all flesh with the breath of life in them went into the ship to Noah. Those who went in went in male and female of all flesh as God commanded him. Then Yahweh shut him in. The flood was 40 days on the earth. The waters increased and lifted up the ship, and it was lifted up above the earth. The waters rose and increased greatly on the earth, and the ship floated on the surface of the waters. The waters rose very high on the earth. All the high mountains that were under the whole sky were covered. The waters rose 15 cubits higher, and the mountains were covered. All flesh died that moved on the earth, including birds, livestock, animals, every creeping thing that creeps on the earth, and every man. All on the dry land in whose nostrils was the breath of the spirit of life died. Every living thing was destroyed that was on the surface of the ground, including man, livestock, creeping things, and birds of the sky. They were destroyed from the earth. Only Noah was left and those who were with him in the ship. The, flood, the waters flooded the earth 150 days. Crazy story, and, um, but a true story. And, um, but because it's so crazy sounding, there are a lot of people who just think it's a myth. They think that such a thing never happened or could never have happened um, because it sounds, um, sounds a bit, a bit far-fetched. And you have to admit, 
waters flooding the entire earth, it just sounds impossible. And, um, but what's interesting about this uh, is not only do we have this account here in the book of Genesis, but all around the world in cultures, wherever there have been studies of culture, like anthropological studies, like say the, the Aboriginal tribes of Australia, or the cultural tri the Asian, you know, cultural studies into Asian tribes or Indian tribes, Chinese, wherever you go, this story of a great flood or a great deluge seems to appear in all these cultures as a story that's handed down from ancestors. And you have to say, well, how is it that everywhere you go in the world, this is like a common story. You have to say they either all got it from the same place or they all experienced it. Well, the truth is, the answer to that is the actual story itself. It, it, they did get it from the one common source and that common source was the source that experienced it. As I've said before in previous videos, there are some things in the Bible we believe and they're easily proven History, archaeology, science proves them. And then there are other things which we don't have obvious direct evidence for, but we have no reason not to believe them because we do trust the Lord. Uh, in any case, there actually are evidences for the flood, but this isn't the video for them. But there are geological evidences like fossils everywhere and, and seashells on top of mountains and lots of interesting things like that that other people are more expert in to suggest to us that as well as all the anthropological evidence, you know, all the stories from cultures all around the world, we've also got um, some science behind it as well. Now, one of the things you may not have ever heard of is a thing called the JEDP theory. Now, this is a theory that some scholars have that the, the first five books of the Bible were not written by Moses. And um, the Bible calls these books the books of Moses and um, Jesus believed that Moses wrote them, and that's good enough for me. But um, some modern scholars, they think that, that four different authors were involved, or four, that, four different authoring groups, and they give each one an initial, J, E, D, and P. And they stand for the, the Yahwist, or the Jehovahist, the Eloist, the Priestly, and the Deuteronomist, those four different authoring groups. And they, these people with this theory, they think that over time, the book of Genesis was redacted, you know, changed, and people added different bits, and over thousands of years, it eventually came together to become the book we now have as Genesis. And that, that theory was quite popular for a long time, and people still believe it. But right here in this, this chapter of Noah, that theory is blown apart. And uh, the reason for that is, is the fact that this story of Noah is all over the world. The story of Noah comes to us from all these different cultural groups. And the story is effectively the same thing. It's a story of eight people going into a boat, being saved from a flood. And um, if this story was compiled and put together by four different authors and, and, and put pieced together over time, how does it so strangely match the cultural stories of a lot of tribes. I think it's more than 400 tribes so far that have got this story. Well, it doesn't. It, 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 it's because that theory is not correct. And um, for example, that theory would say that the J author wrote parts of this and the e, e author wrote parts of this and it was later put together by you know, uh, people in the P class and all of this. 
But no, the fact is, this is a story written by one person who had it handed down to them, Moses, from people who experienced it. And that's why the story matches the same story that's found all around the world. And if you want to know more about that, there's a, a Jewish scholar, Dr. Gary Rensberg, who's written a whole book on this. And just interesting stuff. I think we do believe what the Bible says. And later in the Bible, it says that the, this, these are the books of Moses. If the Bible says it's the books of Moses, then it's the books of Moses. And our trust is really in what the scriptures say. Um, and when it talks about itself, we, that it includes that. We believe what it says there too. Now, interestingly, there's another author by the name of Josephus, and he wrote the entire history of Jewish people from Adam and Eve right through to the destruction of Jerusalem. He was, a, he was Jewish himself, but he became a Roman citizen, and, and when he was in Rome, he kind of realized that people there didn't understand Jewish things much. He wrote an entire history, and some of it matches the Bible, of course, but then there's other things that are not in the Bible. He wrote about other periods of time, like the struggles with the Greeks. And, and so when, he, when um, Josephus was talking about Noah's Ark, he actually mentions some other writers. For example, this is what he says. Now all the writers of barbarian histories make mention of this flood and of this ark, among whom is Barosus the Chaldean. For when he is describing the circumstances of the flood, he goes on thus. It is said there is still some parts of this ship in Armenia at the mountain of the Cordians, and that some people carry off pieces of the bitumen, which they take away and use chiefly as amulets for the averting of mischiefs. Hieronymus the Egyptian also wrote, who wrote the Phoenician Antiquities, and Menaeus, and a great many more make mention of the same. Nay, Nicholas of Damascus, in his 96th book, hath a particular mention about them, where he speaks thus, There is a great mountain in Armenia over Minius called Barus, upon which it is reported that many who fled at the time of the deluge were saved, and that one who was carried in an ark came on shore on top of it, and that the remains of the timber were a great while preserved, this might be the man about whom Moses, the legislator of the Jews, wrote. So Josephus, the ancient historian, he's mentioned about four or five different authors and quoted two of them who both knew of the ark and one of them even knew where it was located and that people were taking bitumen off it. I think that's all really, really interesting. And of course, Josephus mentions right there in the end of that quote, the end of that quote from Nicholas, uh, about Moses, the legislator of the Jews. So even um, that, that quote from Nicholas and Josephus, both of them do agree that the book of Genesis was a, a book written by Moses. So what can we learn from Genesis chapter 7? Well, for, first of all, we realise that people laugh at an account like that and say, oh, it could never happen. But we, we pause and we realise, well, hang on. First of all, we do have a God who's a supernatural God. There's nothing that he can't do should he choose to do it. And then once you realise that, you realise that, no, it could happen if God wanted it to happen. The account plainly says that this is something that God did. And then we've got the evidence of many cultures all around the world and many ancient authors who seem to know the, the whereabouts of the ark. And uh, all of this suggests... No, we're, we're dealing with real history, but of course an event that happened a long, long 
time ago. So it calls for us to allow, an, we need to have an adjustment to our worldview to say that not only do natural things happen, but at times supernatural things happen too. And if you're going to be a follower of the Lord, you always have to allow for supernatural things to happen. Like the resurrection of Christ, the virgin birth of Christ, the miracles of Christ. And I'm sure if you've known the Lord for any amount of time, you would have experienced miracles yourself as I myself have too. I've seen answers to prayer. The Lord our God is a, is a supernatural God. And so when we read of these things in the Bible, we acknowledge that, that the Lord's at work. And not only was he at work back then, but he's at work now, in our lives today. And if we would seek him, we would find more and more of his work among us. So our prayer is, Lord, open the eyes of our heart that we would see you at work in our lives. Help us to see that the things that happen have got your hand in them and help us to see your hand in the things that happen. Father, I ask your blessing upon us, your grace upon us, and I do ask for your supernatural hand to be upon us for blessing, for protection, for lifting us up, for causing us to know the Lord. So Father, bless every listener today in the name of Jesus.